Hey everyone, how are you doing? I didn't want to start today's show without acknowledging what our world is going through right now. And I want you to know I'm thinking of you, and I hope that listening to the show gives you some entertainment, some connectivity to the outside world, and something normal. This episode was recorded at the end of January when we were doing different things with our bees at the time, and we had no idea that a global pandemic was coming. So enjoy our happy-go-lucky beekeeper bliss. This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's guest is a beekeeper who lives in my neighboring state of Washington. He's super active in his local beekeeping community, and through his contributions, he has earned the title of the 2019 WSBA Beekeeper of the Year. We've been communicating with each other online for a while, and I knew he listened to the show, so when he earned that award, I asked him, with fingers crossed, that he would come on the show. Meet Jeff Hall from Full Frame Apiary. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? I can hear you. <laughs> Yay! Okay. All right. We're beekeepers, not audio technicians. This is hard for us. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. You yeah. learn something new every day. Absolutely. <laughs> so where are you? I am you know, on the Hood Canal up in uh, just just south of our house. Our house is getting kind of worked on, so we had to get out while they're refinishing the floors. So oh, it <laughs> yeah. looks nice. Are you like in a cabin? Yes, yes, yeah, right on the Hood Canal. Oh my gosh, cool! Yeah, it's, rough. it's a rough life. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's really cool to meet you. Me too. Finally, <laughs> I know it's funny. Like. I think we've gotten so accustomed to getting to know people online through social media, but then when you finally do meet them face to face or computer screen to computer screen, it feels like we're we're old friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know I've listened to you for a long time. So, <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. It's good to be here. <laughs> Is it weird to be a guest on the show since you've been listening for such a long time? Uh, yeah, very weird. Yeah. Am- Am I yeah. making you nervous? Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I get really nervous too. <laughs> so, beekeeper of the year. Yes. Yeah, it was uh, quite a shock, actually. So, <laughs> was it though, really? <laughs> no, it was actually. It was a kind of interesting. Uh, our club they sent out a newsletter, and they had like a list of nominations for who they were nominating for beekeeper of the year. And I'm like, I open it up. I'm like holy cow, there's, my name is on this thing. So there was uh, three other people on there and they've, they're like super, super good beekeepers. So I was just like, there's just no way. And then uh, we had our Christmas party and, and uh, they're announced beekeeper of the year. <laughs> they're like, Jeff Hall. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> and this yeah, is it for- It's uh, the West Sound beekeepers. They're up in the uh, yeah, it's up in Kitsap Peninsula. Just we're we're like an hour uh, west of Seattle. Okay. So that usually throws a lot of people off. So if you're standing in Seattle and you look across the water, uh, that's the Kitsap Peninsula that you see on the other side. 
So yeah. you probably are dealing with way more rainfall than I'm dealing with. Uh, yeah, m- maybe so. Yeah, we get we get oh, an awful lot of rain. I think uh, was it uh, two years ago we got well, close to sixty inches. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, that's so much. Yeah, it's a lot of rain, and then just south of us, they get a whole lot more, and you know, and also even farther west of us, they even get a lot more. So, because we're technically we're we're in a rainforest here. Yeah, yeah. So that probably creates a lot of technical challenges when it comes to taking care of your bees. Oh yeah, yeah. Winterization here is from you know what I you know talk with people around the country. Beekeeping here is totally different. I mean, moisture is probably bigger than cold. So yeah, so we we do the whole thing. We do the quilt boxes. We do the you know the uh, make sure you got the sugar molds in there. You know the sugar cakes in there. Yeah, and use moisture boards as well and upper ventilation. I mean, you got to do it all. Tilt the hives, everything, and um, and then still keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. You're doing something cool this year with putting your sugar molds in egg cartons. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, so normally I make molds out of whatever, and this year I, since I have so many more hives, I was kind of running out of molds. So uh, we were saving egg cartons for a friend of mine that has chickens, and he was like, "Oh, I've got so many egg cartons now. I didn't know what to do with them." So I'm looking around the garage, and I'm like, "Oh, egg cartons. I mean, what the heck? Let's try it." So I've took just the bottom part where the egg sits in and I cut the lids off and then just mounded them up in there like in cakes and thought, well, you know, see how this works. And it worked really, really good because I also have, I'm overwintering some nukes as well. So I've got five by five, you know, side, side by side uh, nukes and I've got the sugar board split in half. So I was able to put uh, you know, one egg carton on one side, one egg carton on the other side. And then when you want to go replace it, it works out really good. And another little surprising thing I found the other day, because they consumed a whole one, is that egg carton was like soggy wet. So it's obviously absorbing moisture. Wow. Yeah. So it's worked out really, really well. Awesome. I love beekeeper hacks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any tips on overwintering nukes? This is my second year trying to overwinter nukes, and it's just not going well. Really? Um, So. Last year, I had one nuke that was just a single five-frame box, and I basically ran out of resources to put stuff in. So put her in there, and she, oddly enough, it survived. Um, So this year, I got a little bit more serious. So even my nukes, so I do a 10-frame box, split it in half, and then I got five on one side, five on the other side. Oh, so you put some kind of divider down? Yep, I put a divider down through the middle. Um, it, it, I use like like resource hive type of uh, setup. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then, um, so and then I do the normal quilt box. I do my sugar. Everything's split in two. So I build a sugar box with a divider in the middle, and I also put a queen excluder between the ten frame box and the sugar box because the, the she could come up and cross over, and then I've got one county. But uh, <laughs> so, so far, so good. I mean, so far, I've got uh, three boxes going through. So a total of six. Mm-hmm. And they're all I just checked them the other day. And they're all doing just fine and dandy. So oh, good. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so it's working out really well. Yeah. yeah. And you also raise queens. We were talking about that just yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I started uh, raising queens last year. Um, it was 
you know, down, so down at our club apiary, we do a lot of teaching and I spent a lot of time down there. And then one day they're like, Oh, do you want to try grafting? And I'm like, sure. Why not? And, and, you know, so I just kind of played around with it. And then I went home. I'm like, you know, that was kind of cool. So I figured I wanted to raise six Queens for myself last year. So I decided I was going to try to raise enough for six Queens. So uh, George is the master beekeeper at our apiary. And he says, you know, figure out maybe about, you know, 25% success of what you try. Uh, wow. You know, by the time you figure the graft, cause you're new, yeah. you're grafting. And then will, will they build the cells out? Will she get mated? Will she lay correctly? So he goes, if you want six, you know, figure, try to go around 2024 20, graphs and see what you do. Wow. I got 18. <laughs> Is yeah. that beginner's luck or are you just like naturally good at it? No, I think, well, yeah. So I, I was, so I got 18 really nice looking cells. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I, I had to make, I had every box I had, I was dividing them all up, but all 18 of them took. So then I decided, well, this was fun. So I've tried it again. And second time I was in a little bit of a hurry trying to beat a thunder or a, a rainstorm out. Uh -huh. So I was a little bit too quick. So actually I only had, I know I didn't have nearly luck on the second try, but then I did it again on the third and had another 18 or so Queens come out. So I was, yeah. So it was <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. When you're grafting, because I've never tried it, but it's something that I want to try this year and, and maybe a little farther down the road, do some queen rearing myself on yeah. a larger scale, but egg or larva? Larva. So if you have to graft within, I think it's around 12 hours, 12 to 24 hours of her, of the going from the egg to the larva. And so, why not an egg? You know, I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> um, other, you know, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Like, but could it be damaged? I would think so. I would think so. That's a great question. Maybe it has something to do with the way it's stuck to the bottom of the cell. No, that could be. That could be. That that's probably. Uh, Look at us. Yeah, we're, we've we're, got yeah. all the answers. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're guessing. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So it's, I, I didn't find it too awful hard to actually do the grafting. It's the, probably the biggest thing that you have to do is make sure your cell builder is really, really strong. So uh, I watched a lot of good videos, you know, the Mike Palmers and all these different guys out there. Yes. As soon as you think you got enough bees in your cell builder, add a couple more frames. And once they're just totally loaded up, then you and then feed them heavy and give them pollen. And I've learned some some tricks that I'm going to do for next year. Uh, you know, trying to figure out how to even be better at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think I'm going to try to do a few more things next year to get you know even bigger cells, bigger queens. So yeah. I saw Mike Palmer at the Oregon State Beekeepers Association conference in yeah. October. And he was talking about cell builders yes. and expanding your operation, just making your own bees, make more, make more, make more. Yeah. And I would worry so much about taking away too much from like my resource colony that I'm pulling frames from. Do you have? Well, yeah. So I'm doing the cloak, the cloak board method. So basically I have a colony, but I was doing it out of a five frame uh, nucleus box, which was, I ended up with being three deep, three, three boxes deep. 
And then on top of that is my feeder box. So, you know, I've got four boxes high. It was kind of a weird looking setup, but so you have a queen in the bottom and she's just laying away. So you have an extra colony and then you just take your, you put your board in and then they think that the top part of it, they think they're queenless. And it's a lot of manipulation of making sure that your, your capped larva is in the right spot. And, you know, cause you have one, all those, those, um, nurse bees that come up into the top part where the queen cells are being uh, drawn out. So yeah, there's a lot of details in it, but um, you know, I follow Sue Colby from Washington state university and she has a great uh, cheat sheet uh, basically of how to do, how to set up that cell builder. And I follow that, you know, you know, piece by piece and it's, but the main thing she doesn't say there's how many bees you need in there. And I found out you need a lot of bees in there. So I have enough hives where I'm able to go around and I can steal a frame from here and a frame for there, or I'll shake in, uh, you know, a frame of bees here and there and, and they just go crazy. Just Could you it, also do that? Like, like we're supposed to cycle out our wax every few years. If you feel like you're a little bit wax poor, can you do that just to build up your wax inventory? Well, you, you could, you know, so they, I guess the idea would be that you, you can take a frame and, you know, say if you have a good frame of cat brood, you can put it in there above the queen excluder and let them all hatch out. Say if it's an old frame, you can let them all hatch out and then, then you could replace your foundation or your, your comb in there mm-hmm. and then put that back into your other hives and let them rebuild that back out again. How much are you feeding your cell builders? As much as I possibly can give them. Yeah. I will lay, I mean, I try to put... Um, so I'm next to my cell builder or my, my cell frame that I've grafted on, I try to have a frame of pollen and then on both sides of that, as many bees as I can get in there and I will, I will fill the jar of sugar water. I mean, if, if I have to fill it twice a day, it's twice a day. Uh, and then I'll put a full pound patty. I want as much food in there as I possibly can. Are your bees where you live or do you have apiaries scattered around? So I have three apiaries. Okay. I've got um, so I have hives at my home, and then um, we last year we bought some property farther north of us, and we were just having way too many bees at our house. I mean, we had way too many bees. It, wait, is there such a thing? Yeah, we were just <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so I moved six hives up there, and then uh, so I've got so there's six hives there, and then uh, just north of us is a. Um, garden called Heronswood Gardens. They, it's like a big public, that's a private garden, but it's a big public uh, place, uh, like a botanical garden. And they were looking for someone to put hives on there for just to aid in a pollination. So my hand went up, so I moved two hives there too. So yeah, so it's, so I've got uh, 16 hives going right now. Nice. Do you yeah. do most of your queen rearing and, and cell building at, at your home apiary just so you can oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah because it's a it doesn't take a lot of time but there's time you have to do things things at a certain time you know you can't wait a day you know because otherwise you're running into problems so yeah i do all of my queen rearing at the house so yeah and now you are the apiary manager for yes, your beekeeping yeah. association yeah, yeah. So that that's going to be a big task. So they uh, so the, they asked me to be the beekeeper manager, but I've asked them to change it to beekeeping direct or the apiary director because I'm going for my journeyman certification. So a director, you get good points. 
So, uh, so anyway, yeah, so I'm taking care of the apiary. So that's another 20, 30 hives that I'm going to be caring wow. for. Next year. How many yeah. people does your association have? Oh gosh, I think there's a couple hundred of us. Oh, uh, so it's a pretty strong club. It's a, yeah, it's a pretty strong club. You know, there's, you know, not everybody shows up all the time. Yeah. But, but uh, we have a great apiary down there and we've got some really, really good people that, that you know, been around for a long time. And, you know, I, I tell anybody, all the new beekeepers I meet, they're like, what, what should I do? Come to the apiary. Yeah. Um, so my first two years, I was at the down there at the apiary, like almost every single Tuesday and Saturday. <sighs> and I mean, like last year, I think I was in a hive every day of the week. That is such an important opportunity and way to accelerate your learning. Oh, yeah. I think I was lucky because I was able to get into a lot of hives in those first couple of years. And it really does make a difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My first day at the apiary when I helped, because when I I got into beekeeping, I couldn't take the class. So, yeah. So I kind of learned on my own. So I went down to the apiary and my very first day, they had me mark two queens and we did a split. <laughs> and I had barely even been around bees at all. And I'm, you know, so you've learned so much of what you're, what's going to happen in your apiary versus, you know, just be, learning the basic stuff. But you're standing right next to someone who's got tons of years of experience and, and, and they'll teach you so much, you know. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm constantly asking questions and, you know, I'm probably driving people crazy because oh. I like to- <laughs> I like to ask two or three different people and see what answers, you know, because every everybody's got a different uh, answer to a question. Yeah. And there's some there's a couple of guys down there. We've we've become good friends and and we're just always, always asking questions about things. And, you know, oh, I read this on the Internet. What do you think? Does it apply to us? And and you just we're just always chit chatting on, you know, yeah. topic. So what what's a hot topic that you guys are talking about lately? The dreaded Varroa mite. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is, is that on the winter solstice, that's when we generally treat with oxalic acid. And a lot of the guys were using these screen bottom boards and they would, they would treat, then they would pull the boards out 24 hours later. And we were getting huge mite drops. And what was really weird is we've always in the past have figured at around that time frame were broodless, but we were finding, then they would treat again and getting more mites and treating again and get more mites. So we kind of assuming that they never really shut down because we had such a mild winter. Yeah. Uh, I'm again, afraid that that's happening here in Portland too. It's been warm and mild. And when I look at the bottom boards, I see those uh, like brood cappings that have been chewed. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, so we're talking about, you know, the, the mites and how to handle the mites, you know, is oxalic acid vapor. That's been kind of our go-to, but you know, there's, you know, now I listened to Randy Oliver talk at a local uh, meeting up in Everett last, last fall. And, you know, he's really big into the dribble and the towel method. And Mm -hmm. I did some dribble last year for the first time and, and all those hives are alive. Yeah. I I can use on my nukes. I'm over wintering because I can't vaporize them properly. So do the dribble and they're, they're still alive and they're doing well. And well, I sure like that method better than the vapor. It's much safer. Oh, I I really hate doing the vaporization. Yeah. So, I really yeah. hate it. Yeah, because I use, at, at, at my apiaries, I use the wands. I got two wands, a battery, and, you know, lugging that thing around. And then at the club apiary, we have the Pro Vape. 
you oh. know, and I, I did, I did all those hives by myself. I did 20 hives by myself in just about an hour. I mean, it's amazingly fast, but you know, the, the amount of vapor that you're putting out is just incredible. So it was really interesting. The time before that, Dave was down at the apiary. We did a side-by-side -side comparison. So we had um, uh, a top bar hive that has little windows in the side. And then we had a Ware hive that has the little windows in the side. So I put my battery one in the Ware and he put the pro vape into the top bar and we opened up the windows so we can watch the vapor. Wow. What a difference that really that pro vape just filled that whole cavity full of vapor. Whereas the, the, the wand, it was a nice slow vapor. So yeah, is one work better than the other? I don't know. But it was it was a really good side by side comparison of what's going on. So huh, that's yeah. interesting. I have just a a really cheap one that I got on Amazon, and yeah, sometimes I'm not so sure that it's working really well. Well, it's probably the battery. The battery is can be the oh. biggest thing. Yeah, if you're battery, because I charge, I keep a charge on my battery all the time. I'll do five or six hives, and I'll charge it in five or six. You know, uh -huh. but. That's because my, my my hives are spread out over place, so I, I have a chance to charge it. But yeah, so but that pro vape's neat. But you know, I just that wearing the full face mask, and you know, if that hive isn't sealed up really really well, boy, it really you know gets out. So down at our apiary, we have easy hives, and we really? have long tank drift. Uh, yeah, and the, each one of them's got their pros and cons with treating it, and you know, it's some of them are really hard to to block off. So yeah. the vapor escapes and, you know, that's not yeah. my favorite. I have screened bottom boards on my top yeah. bar hives. And so I made a special insert for them that I could put the vaporizer into and then close it off. And it worked so, so, I mean, I could, there was still vapor escaping through the, the yeah. panel and the, the insert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a logistical thing about so many treatments. It's like, are they really compatible with all the different hives that are out there? I don't think so. And, you know, when we, when we start, start, start talking to new beekeepers and they love all those different hives, but boy, I, I wish they would just stay with the Langstroth type hive and, until they have their feet wet. Yeah. And then, yeah. then experimenting with the other hives. Yeah. Yeah. I did Langstroth for two years and then I jumped into, I added Ware and Top Bar in my third year. Yeah. I like the Wares because of the size of the boxes. They're really easy for me to lift, but at the same time, management of them is really a challenge. Yeah. I, I think down at our club apiary, I think they've lost the bees every single year in the Ware. One, the one hive that just seems to, to rock like crazy is we have a long Langstroth and oh my goodness, that hive just comes out of the winter so strong. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The Our only thing club has that, one and it, we, it, it is never successful. Really? I, I wonder if it's how it was built. Could so, be. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This thing just, the, the bees come out mean. <laughs> oh, they're seem like they're always mean. But, but now that that we were looking at that hive the other day and it's just boiling with bees. Wow. Yeah. So when a hive is mean, do you make splits from it? Uh, well, usually I'll, I'll re if they're mean, I requeen. Yeah. And that's one thing I learned with queen rearing is how to kill queens. Uh, you know, it's not a fun thing, but you get used to it. 
Um, so, cause I was, I was so afraid I was going to make, I was going to, uh, you know, produce a poor queen that if I didn't like what she did, I would replace her. So, and then I did have, I've only had one hive where they were so mean that I was just got be mowing the grass and they were just after me. Oh my and, gosh. But when you had six hives, it was hard to kind of tell which hive it was, they were coming from, but I finally figured it out and then I requeened it. But, you know, it takes a while for that brood to all cycle through. It's not like yeah. you keep and the next day she, that's calm. You know, yeah. it took a while. The, you know, it took a couple of weeks for finally I can say, okay, we're, we're, we're okay now, you know. So I'm curious about the that hive's temperament. When you figured out which hive it was and you can compare to, like, if you're not doing anything with the hive and they're that mean and they're chasing after you when you're mowing the lawn compared to when you're actually opening the hive and working with them, working mm-hmm. with them, were they that very different from your other colonies? Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah. they were They were just in my face. They, you know, That's just, no fun. Well, my cell builder last year had to be the meanest hive I have ever seen. That, I mean, I would just, because I had it behind my shed, was like in its little area, and I just come around the corner and here they come. I mean, I had to fully suit up just to feed them sugar. Gosh. Oh yeah. They were, they, you know, I mean, I, I would have to put a veil on and stuff and, and then uh, normally I go gloveless, but I couldn't go gloveless around them because they would, they would just come out. I don't know if because I was manipulating them so much, you know, Oh, maybe. Yeah. Cause I was always, but always taking frames out, but yeah. But you no, know, I, yeah, she was, she was one. I was happy to dispatch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I bought a mite biter queen or the the ankle biter queen. There's a yeah, guy in yeah. Oregon that bought a breeder queen, and then he you know has been breeding off of it. And I bought one from him, and he's like, you know, it's not going to be mite resistant right away. Like the colony's not going to just immediately. Now they have this queen. Now they're going to have this mite resistance. Like it's going to take it's going to take brood cycles to yeah. to completely change the profile of the right. colony. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Cause you got to do that whole, you got to get rid of all those old bees and yeah. got to get them in. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't played with the ankle biters yet. So hopefully this year we'll get some. Well, I I'll probably get another one from him. The colony that I put her in, they went into winter pretty small. Ah. They're in a top bar hive and they're taking up about six frames. So they're, they're pretty tiny, yeah. but they're still going. Okay. So yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Are you putting pound patties on yet? Not yet. Um, I'm thinking probably mid to late March is when I'll go in and add patties and start feeding syrup. Okay. Do you know who Lori Miller is? No. Miller, Miller Compound Bees. She's up here in Washington. Huge bee breeder. And on Facebook yesterday, she's she's putting pound, pound patties on now. Already? Yes. Wow. Well, are you kidding me? So she's doing they, it. Jesus. Yeah. I'm hopefully going to see her Monday. So I'm going to ask her a thousand questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this makes me kind of excited because tomorrow we're supposed to reach almost 60 degrees. Dang. Yeah. So this could be a really good day to open up and add some pollen patties. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know I, what I'm doing after our call. <laughs> yeah, make some patties. I, yeah. I've got 40 pounds of patties sitting there ready to go. In. I just, <laughs> I'm a little bit you know, gun shy to put them in just too soon, but man, yeah. she's doing, 
she's just south of me. What so. if there's a freeze, though? I think that's what I'm scared of, if we get a freeze in February. Yeah, yeah I think I'm going to probably wait a little bit, but I've got some nukes I want to produce this year, yeah. and I need to start building up bees. You know, I mean, I've got a lot of bees right now, but I just want to make sure when I do my split stuff for nukes, I've got a lot of bees. Yeah. And so I want to start putting pound petties on soon, but I'm I'm with you. I'm a little bit nervous going this soon, but yeah. Oh um, my gosh, I, I started using pollen patties last year, and mm-hmm. I fed them um, in the springtime, and then again in August and September. And I was yeah. really really pleased with how big my colonies were going into winter, and they came yeah. out big too. This year. I got way too busy and I really was a terrible beekeeper in the fall and I didn't feed them pollen patties. And um, there are quite a few colonies that went into winter smaller than they should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some queens go smaller in the winter, you know, so that's one thing about- It's scary though. It's like, because I've had so many dead outs where you open it up and it's just this, you know, sad little patch of dead bees. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. I think this is a great segue into beekeeping bloopers. Nah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's kind of a long story, but, uh, so when I first, you know, got bees, I got them from, um, uh, Brushy Mountain down there by, you know, South View. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately they're gone. But, uh, so anyway, I got a, I got a nuke from them and, you know, as soon as I get home and I go put them in a the box, and as I'm transferring, you know, frames, there's a swarm cell, you know, in this little nuke. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. I'll, I'll pinch it off, you know, like you're supposed to. And, you know, I put, put her in an eight frame box and she filled that thing up so much and just continued to make swarm cells. And I could just, I, I just could not keep up with her. So one day, you know, I, I look outside my wife and I were, you know, eating lunch and look outside and sure enough, there's the swarm and they're just going crazy. So, you know, so I go out there with my first swarm catch, you know, I'm, I'm addicted <laughs> now and, you know, it, but they land on a fence post of all things. And, you know, so we get, I get that, you know, swarm all caught and put in the box. So this year, you know, so I carried her over. So that or this last season, 2019, same thing, wife and I are eating lunch and look out there and there's this huge swarm going. And so, you know, we learned one thing is that there, our first piece of equipment that we grab is a camera. My wife's a photographer. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. So we, so we grabbed the camera, but this time the swarm kept on going up and up mm. and up and ended up going about 40 or 50 feet up in this big old cedar and it's like right above the apiary. So I'm thinking, okay, uh, what do you do now? So I figured, well, I'll tie a you know a heavy stick to a rope and try to throw it up over the branch, and I couldn't get even close to it. So I'm also a fisherman, so I'm starting to think, well, you know what? If I can use a fishing pole, and I had an old slingshot, so I had my wife actually hold the fishing pole and kind of aim it at the swarm, and I took my slingshot and I shot it over the branch. And first first attempt, I I got a little fishing line over the top, I fished up a heavier cord. And I'm some, so what I did then is I set a tarp down, you know, on the ground and I set my hive down. And the only thing you can do is you're going to give it one good yank and you're standing right underneath it. So I'm standing and I give it a big old yank and the whole ball comes down and just everywhere on the tarp, just everywhere. 
And I looked down at the hive box I had sitting down there and sure enough, they kept, they're, they're right there at the opening, their butts in the air and fanning away. And I'm like, holy cow, I caught her. So I let them kind of calm down a little bit. And then I come back about an hour later, there's no bees in the box. Oh God. <laughs> no way. So I look up there on the branch and there's still a fair amount of bees up there. So I'm like, okay, let's do this again. So give it a big old yank and down come the bees. And sure enough, there they are fanning at the entrance. And I'm like, okay, this, this is okay. So then I come back a little bit later, no bees. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So then I'm like, well, okay, enough with this. So I start, you know, the bees were not on the branch anymore. So I decide, well, I'm just going to clean up my mess. So I take the top, take the box weight, and then I go lift that bottom board and it's heavy. And I go to flip it over. And what do I see? There's, there's the swarm was underneath the bottom board and right smack dab in the middle is a red marked queen, the same oh, queen that lashed the year before. <sighs> so, so the story continues. So, you know, so I, now I get them into a box and I put them on my hive stand and, you know, they've got a new home and all is good. So then I come back a couple of weeks later just to make sure she's laying and everything. And I go into that hive and I'm searching and searching and searching. I can't find her. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So, but I did find like emergency cells and I'm thinking, well, maybe she just didn't make it or whatever happened. I don't know. So I'm thinking, well, what do I do? And I had just purchased a whole bunch of Queens from old soul down, down, down South. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'll go grab one of those Queens and I'll go put, cause it was actually, I had one in a five frame nuke right next to curve hives. So I go open up that nuke and I'm searching through there. And what do I find? A red mark queen. Yeah. <gasps> had left, I don't know how this happened, but she had left that hive and went next door, killed my brand new queen and took up shop there. That's so weird. I, I've never heard of that before. Oh man. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a, with that, I don't know if that's considered a blooper or not, but that's, <laughs> that that's a total anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if she was escorted by anybody, like, or if she just wandered out and then wandered back in and went to the wrong hive. I don't know. I really don't know. They were, I mean, they were side by side on a hive stand and I have no idea. Bees are so mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. And then she only lasted for about a month or two. And then she just really just stopped laying. And that was the end of it. (laughs) Then. So then I had to requeen it all over again. So oh. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so yeah. So I got two, two swarm catches off the same queen. So geez, I noticed on your Instagram page, you have the same water cooler bucket on a pole swarm catcher yeah. that I have. Yeah. I tell you what, I, the first year I used that thing so much. Yeah. That, that's that, that's been such a handy tool. Yeah, such. totally. I, I think I was able to get a significant amount of more swarms than I would have without it. And I yeah. also don't like climbing up on ladders unless I no, absolutely I'm not, I mean, have to. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a heights person. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I sometimes I wish the pole was longer, you know, so I could get up higher. But, you know, because I think I can get about 20 some odd feet with it. Wow. You know, I think yeah, mine's yeah. only 15 15 feet okay. long. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I used it like first year I used it like crazy. Last year, all the swarms were like knee height. Oh, 
Oh, I mean, that's so lucky. Yeah, there were yeah, there were just one after another. I'm thinking I got because I carried in the season. I got B gear in my truck all you know all the time. <laughs> I got it in my truck right now because I'm still doing B stuff now from whatever. But anyway, it's uh, uh, yeah, the all the swarms last year were were really low to the ground, but they were all really really big. Mm-hmm. So. I was afraid I was, I need to start carrying two nuke boxes instead of just one. <laughs> yeah. I, I use my bee bucket. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah I just use, uh, it's a Home Depot bucket with a, a ventilation hole drilled in the side and then an entrance hole drilled in the side. Um, ah. And I, that's just what I put all my swarms in for transporting and stuff. Okay. Because I'm pretty small. And so carrying wooden boxes around. Um, yeah. It's a little more effort than I want to put out, yep. but I can carry a plastic bucket. No problem. Well, you got to try the uh, Pro Nuke. Uh, I got one of those. In Are the, those the, the little styrofoam ones? No, no, it's plastic. It's plastic. Yeah, it's a, uh, I, I got mine from Man Lake. It's a, it's a plastic Nuke and it's got, you can do an entrance out at either end. You can actually put a, a, a soda bottle or a water bottle and put, poke holes in it and feed through that. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you'll never own a overwinter a hive in it, but it's yeah. fantastic for uh, you know putting your swarms in it. Like you said, it's light. It's you know puts holds five frames, you know, and then you and then once once the bees are in there, the, these little doors shut, so the, the the doors will shut, so that you don't have to do anything special. You yeah. can turn one way or the other way for uh, for ventilation. It's pretty cool. It's a it's a nice little tool to have if you're catching swarms. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about baiting swarm traps and ah. putting up swarm traps. Because you and I had a little competition going this this <laughs> last spring. Yeah, I yeah. was catching swarms in mine a little bit before you were. Yeah, yeah. So I put I have uh, five swarm traps I put out. Um, Are they always like, in the same place? Uh, so far, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know the one that I thought because down at our club apiary, you know we we do a lot of teaching, so we let hives get away from us on purpose. And I thought for sure I'd catch a, hive, a swarm down there, but never did. Um, but I had a couple other ones that yeah, they just uh, went right straight to it. But I, I all I put in mind is I try to find the oldest, nastiest comb I can find. Um, so if, you know instead of calling out some comb, I'll put that old comb in there. And then uh, every couple of weeks, I just put a, I take a Q-tip, I put a little lemongrass oil on it, and shove it into the hole. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I do, and you know, it's all location. I mean, location, 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 really. Yeah, so. I agree. Location is really important. I tried Swarm Commander. I had really oh, yeah? high hopes for it, but what I noticed was like right after applying it, you'd get all these bees showing up, and it was almost like they were getting junked out on it. And then <laughs> that that wears off, and then I really didn't notice any big difference than just using lemongrass oil and brood comb. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I, I did fine with it that way, too. So, yeah. I thought about trying the Swarm Commander, but just, you know. I give I'm... it two and a half stars. Okay. I mean, it just didn't seem like worth the hype. For, for an immediate response, like if you're out catching a swarm that is kind of sluggish and not really cooperating... Yeah, it's helpful with that. Okay, but so is lemongrass oil. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean about them going into the hive or something? Yeah, or? or like getting them to go in the box. Like if it's cold or something, and they're oh, just okay. not being as responsive as you want. Um, yeah, that can help move things along a little bit faster. 
Yeah, I, I leave my my uh, swarm boxes. Like when I go catch a swarm, I leave the box almost overnight and then I come back yeah. really, really early in the morning and pick it up. So I'm I a bad I, beekeeper. I, okay. once I get like what I feel like is as many as I can get at the time, because I'll usually spend an hour or two at, at that location. Yeah. I take those bees with me and then I tell the homeowners or the business, if the ball of bees that is there in the morning is bigger than a baseball, call me and I will come and get them. Yeah. I know that a lot of beekeepers feel like, like, don't leave any behind. But in nature, when swarms move from one location to the next, there's always going to be some left behind. Oh, yeah, sure. Yes, so, I had my one experience, and this is why I leave it. I had one experience where I had collected the bees and I was in a kind of a hurry. So I took the box home with me. And then oh, it was almost a week later, the homeowner called me back and said, the bees are still there, but now they're angry. So I went back again and it's, you know, how hard it is now to, to catch bees that, are, you know, they, they're basically lost bees and they don't want to do anything. So I kind of felt bad by doing that. So now I try to leave the box, you know, wherever I'm at, I try to leave it there, you know, at least till dark yeah. or where I come back early, early in the morning. You know. Have you ever had one, a swarm take off on you when you've left it in the box? Yes, last so I think it was last year. Um, we had uh, was down the end of our street. Um, well, Lucia, one of the people on our street that keeps bees, one of her hives swarmed, and I took a, another new beekeeper with me and showed her how to catch a swarm. That's the one time we used the bucket, and I mean, put them in the hive, and boy, it was all good. And I left the box sitting there, and Lucia called me the next morning and said, "There's no bees in this box." <laughs> And we only thing we can assume is they went back. We don't, I don't know where they went, but yeah. you know they didn't stick around. Yeah, I've I've had it happen one time. Really? And I was like, never again. So yeah. as soon as I've got the majority, I I just take them. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people say to put brood in the box, you know, so that will make them stay. Yeah, but I almost so. wonder, like, if they've already decided on a new location and they're just waiting for everybody to like get the new coordinates or get the yeah. message that they're all leaving. Like, if you put them in another container, is I guess I wonder, like, how do you erase that message that they're going to yeah. leave again? You need to call Tom Seeley; he'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Where can people find you? Um, well, my Instagram is full frame apiary. So that's, and then also I have a Facebook page, um, which is full frame apiary. So, yeah. So we chose full frame apiary because we were thinking of something that would go along with my wife's photography, you know, full frame. You know. Oh my uh, gosh. That's so cute. Yeah. So, so it worked out pretty well. And, and uh, yeah, so, yeah. So she, she tries to tag along with me every now and then and take photos and, <laughs> so, and she, He's not really the bee person, so it's. I should have had a picture of her when we did a swarm catch, and I've, you know, I, I used the bucket, and then I turn around, and she's standing there just still, and she's covered <laughs> in bees. <laughs> but she's got, she had her bee jacket on and everything, but oh, still, that's like, love, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> she puts up with my obsession of buying boxes and painting boxes, and I'm constantly building and. And, you know, we've got all these sheds and she says that every one of them has got bigger in it now. So <laughs> it's so. the natural progression. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 She's a trooper. She puts up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Jeff, it has been so much fun getting to talk with you and getting to know oh. you and sharing stories. Uh, and, I, and by the way, I've been enjoying your uh, mascot over your shoulder. Oh, my, the guitars? No, your dog. Oh, Winnie. Oh, it's Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let me grab her. Yeah, yeah, she, she came, she jumped up there right when we first started and she's been kind of watching over your shoulder. <laughs> that face. <laughs> we don't really know what kind of dog she is. She was a, a second chance rescue at the Humane Society. Okay. So these are animals that are from out of state that came from okay. overcrowded shelters and were at risk of being put down. So yeah. that was her. And when I saw her in the ad, all I could see were these giant ears. And I uh, said, that's my dog. And she looks like a little schnauzer. Yeah, I think she's got some schnauzer, um, maybe some Yorkie. She definitely has like that terrier uh, instinct to uh, search for rodents and stuff. Mm -hmm. She killed one of the baby chickens this summer. Oh, no. <laughs> she just can't help it. Yep. <laughs> she, she, she acts like she knows right where the camera's at. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's my sidekick, my manager. She okay. harasses me a lot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll talk with you soon. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Okay. All right. You too. <laughs> Bye. Learn more about Jeff. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook by searching Full Frame Apiary. You can also head over to beekeeperconfidential.com where I'll include links to his social media accounts. If you've been enjoying the show and would like to help support what we're doing here, you can leave us a review on iTunes and like and share episodes on social media. I'm also on Patreon for those of you who want to give a little something extra, like our newest patron, Audrey. I appreciate all of you for listening. Please stay home and stay safe. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Beekeeper Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.